Uh, today we have us with everybody as a family service here today. We have all of us, all of you with, all of you with us, and it's great to see our children and babies. And uh, so what I want to talk today about is God becoming flesh. And one of the, this is something I've been fleshing on. I'm going to finish it next year, so you have to wait a whole year. But um, it's kind of a sermon series called Beyond the Baby. And you'll see in the next slide I have right here, a lot of times with Christmas, this is what we think about. Okay, we think about baby Jesus. And that's important. That actually, Latin, it says, um, the word became flesh. That's what it says. But you see the halo around Jesus, and you see the baby, and we talk about the baby Jesus. When the writers wrote the story of the birth of Christ, they wrote the story of the birth of Christ so we knew where Christ came from, but who he was and why he came is the most important thing. Yes, we want to talk about the fact that Christ was born. Yes, we want to talk about the baby Jesus, but the baby Jesus grew up to be the Jesus who lived the life that we see, who, who set an example for us, who conquered sin, the Jesus who died on the cross for us. And we want to emphasize that whole fact, and that's one of the things I want to talk about. Last week we talked about, this week I want to talk about, what does it mean that Christ came into the world? What does it mean that Jesus came as a baby? Yes, but Jesus grew, and Jesus accomplished tasks. And so the passage today is Romans 8, 1 through 4. And let's just read that real quick. Romans 8, 1 through 4. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. This passage has been called um, probably one of the greatest passages of the Bible about what it means to be a Christian. Uh, Mounts in his commentary says, We are not dealing here with mere theology. As Paul wrote, his pen gave evidence that he was caught up in the experience of profound worship and spiritual adoration. So in Romans chapter 8, this is probably one of the greatest passages we talked about the greatness that we have, the, the hope that we have in Christ. And this is the, like we said, it's also about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is mentioned 21 times in the book, in chapter 8. And it's the blessings and everything that we receive becoming a believer in Christ and because of what Christ did, because He came as a baby on Christmas and grew and accomplished His task, because He was sent, the Word became flesh, He accomplished great things for us and we have great hope. He rescues us from sin and death and does what the law could not do. We have hope because Christ was sent to earth as a baby and grew to be the, the master, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross and rose again. We have hope because of this that we didn't have before. So first of all, through Christ, the guilty are proclaimed innocent. Because of this, if you look at verse 1, therefore is now no condemnation <coughs> excuse me, for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is one of the most difficult passages, I think, for some people to accept, including myself. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Does that mean you are free of sin? No. Does that mean you are condemned for your sin? You're not condemned. You're not condemned because if you ask forgiveness for your sin, there is no condemnation. 
And this is a big lie that is brought up to people, that there is some sin in your life that has condemned you and you haven't found it somehow and, and things like that. The enemy wants you to think that you are condemned, but verse 1 is very clear. Because Christ came into this world, because the Word became flesh, because Jesus came here, you are no longer condemned. You are no longer under the sin. You are no longer on your way to hell. You have hope. And it's important that we understand that Romans 3.23 says it very clearly. We probably all heard this passage. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23 which says, For the wages of sin is death. So in other words, outside of Christ, everybody is condemned. We are condemned because every single person has sinned. If you ask somebody if they have ever sinned and they say no, they are sinning because they're a liar. And the Bible is very clear about that. I mean, it says, First John, if you say you have no sin, you are a liar. So you've already sinned right there. So we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so many people talk about, when I get to heaven, I'm going to tell them why I should be in heaven. Tell them all the wonderful things that I've done. Do you really want to see the, the reel of your ta- or, or the movie of your life played back to you and see the sin that you've committed? Because everybody here, I don't think any one of us wants to let the whole world know that there are things in our life that have been sinful in our past. Maybe things that we still struggle with. But what the Bible is saying here is because of Christ, because He came, Because the Word became flesh, because God took on flesh, because He came to this earth, we are not condemned. We go to heaven, and I do not understand this completely yet, but the Bible says that that God forgets our sins and they become as far as the east is from the west. And I've heard some people argue about this, but the way I read this is God is going to look at us and say we are sinless. And I'm going to start arguing with God. Okay, my first thought is going to be, you weren't paying attention to God, were you paying attention to China at the time? Did you miss the whole 70s, 80s, and 90s, and 2000s, okay? And God's going to say, no, John, I declared you sinless. You see what I mean? It's going to be, the fact that that's how God looks at it is amazing. There is no condemnation. We are delivered from the penalty of sin. We are lost, but now find, are found. And it's important to understand who we are in Christ that we receive, we receive freedom. Uh, if it follows that a condemnation is an objective reality has been removed, there is no legitimate place for condemnation as a subjective experience. To insist on feeling guilty is but another way of insisting on helping God with our salvation. How deeply embedded in human nature is the influence of works righteousness? This is by Robert Mounts. Listen to that again. If you feel guilty for your sin, you're actually trying to help God. You're trying to help God by saying, I can't just accept that. I need to feel guilty about it. And you're saying, what you're saying isn't right. What I'm saying is, we need to accept what God says about us. Because you know what? We do look back at our life. And maybe there's a sin that you've committed. Maybe there's something, someone that you've hurt. And you just can't get over the guilt over it what god is trying to say is let it go i have forgiven you you can forgive yourself don't hang on to that because sometimes we think by holding on to it we're doing the right thing we need to torture ourselves and we need to feel bad about that 
That's not what God wants you to do. He wants you to accept his forgiveness and realize that you are not condemned today. And through Jesus, the Spirit of God has set us free. If you look at verse 2, it says that the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. There is a law and binding power in our lives. We have been liberated by the Holy Spirit through the work of Jesus Christ. We have been freed from the penalty of sin, and we've been freed from death. We have been freed from this fact. There is a new law in the Spirit that says that through Christ Jesus and the, and the Spirit of God that is within us, we can overcome sin. We can break the power of sin in our lives. It is the Spirit of God who provides the victory. And the Spirit is the possession of every child of God. Do you understand that? That you don't have to look at sin and say, I'm powerless over that. Does that mean you're not tempted? I wish it were so. Because if you say, because some people now, here's where we go two directions. I've heard some people say, if I'm tempted, I have sinned. Okay? Let's say you're, uh, uh, you know, whatever your temptation is life, because everybody's got a temptation. And you feel tempted. And what's your first thought? Oh, I was tempted. I'm a sinner. Well, you merely have to read Hebrews, which says Jesus was tempted in every way, yet was without sin. So if you say that that temptation is making you a sinner, you're saying Jesus was a sinner, which is not correct. But on the, you know, in the other way, we just say, well, that's just who I am. That's just who I am. I have an anger problem. You know, I'm from north of Bemidji, and everybody north of Bemidji has an anger problem. Okay, if you live north of Bemidji, I'm making that up, okay? Because I don't think everybody, I know everybody south of Bemidji has actually got the anger problem. Everybody knows that. Okay, but, but I've heard people say weirder arguments. They say, my, my family name, my genetic makeup, this is who I am. My parents were like this. You know what? Or I was born this way. You know what? That's not an excuse for sin. Because it says the Spirit of God that is within you is greater than any sinful desire that you have. But I struggle with addiction. But I str- We all do. We're all tempted. But we know that the Spirit of God can help us overcome it. Again, you see what I'm trying to say? The Spirit of God is what's going to help you overcome it. Because on your own, if you read Romans 7, we don't have time to read it, Paul is talking about his struggle with the flesh and wanting to do things that he doesn't want to, that he wishes he wouldn't do. But by the Spirit of God, we can overcome them. Does that mean we're going to always be perfect on this? Does that mean we're not going to fail? Yes, we are going to fail, but the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and his Spirit can help us overcome this. And the more we give in to the Spirit, the more we have hope. The more the sin can come out of our lives. There's a process called sanctification that Christ's Spirit does within us. You grow more sanctified as you get more into the Spirit. Sin becomes, can become less in your life. This, the, the temptation may never go away. I've talked to people, have you ever heard the story where somebody will say, I was an alcoholic, and I walked up and I gave my life to Jesus, and I never wanted to have a drink again. And I say, God bless, I wish that was true for everybody. And for some people it is. And for other people, God's Spirit helps you through the rest of your life. It means that, yeah, that alcohol is still going to look good, but God's Spirit can help you get over it. Maybe you have, like I said, anger problems, gossiping problems, lying. 
disobedience to parents. I mean, there's all kinds of things in the Bible. But we can overcome them by the power of the Spirit. Not our own selves, not just white-knuckling it, but by the power of the Spirit. There's a story. Uh, sometimes we, we, we feel more comfortable in our sin and we feel more comfortable in our condemnation. There's a story that was published in March 2001 in the New York Times about a 51-year-old ex-convict named Robert Salzman. After horrific childhood, Salzman spent most of his adult life in prison. When he was released from prison in 2001, Salzman found it difficult to enjoy freedom outside prison walls, struggling to pay rent or doing stints in homeless shelters. Finally, in June of 2010, Salzman had a grace-like experience. While he was riding a New York subway car, he was found by a writer and director who was searching for someone to play a tough-looking former convict for an upcoming film. After an audition, Green surprised everyone, nearly everyone when he gave Salzman a key role in the film. In the ensuing months, Salzman found it hard to believe that he'd actually been set free from his prison life. On one occasion while filming with Green on location in a Long Island penitentiary, an exhausted Salzman fell asleep on a cot in the prison cell. When he woke up, he became confused and thought he was still a prisoner. Salzman started weeping in despair until it suddenly dawned on him that he was now a free man. Salzman was overwhelmed by the joy of knowing that at any moment he could walk out of that cramped cell and through the prison doors. On the other side of the prison walls, he could enjoy his new life of freedom. Sometimes it feels comfortable and we feel like we're still stuck in our sin. But you know what? We're free. Christ has set us free. Christ's power can help us overcome this. We are no longer, yes, we are still tempted. Yes, we still have temptations. Yes, we still have problems. Yes, we are still going to, and the more we grow in Christ, the less we will fall. But yes, we will, we will succumb to temptation sometimes because that's what our heart wants to do. But you know what? The Spirit of God, the more we turn it over to God, the more we can be free. And even if we fall, even if we give in to temptation one time, remember this. You are not owned by that sin. I think that is very important. It's kind of like the dieting principle. You had a brownie, which means you're going to eat a gallon of ice cream because you might as well just give up. You had a brownie. Get over it. Okay? Accept forgiveness and move on. You sinned. Ask for forgiveness and realize that that sin doesn't own you. This is a very important thing. Through Christ, then, in verse 3, it says, Through Christ, sin has been condemned. It says, For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned it in the flesh. He did what the law could not do. The law told us to stop and not to do things. How many people know that that Drive 55 sign does absolutely nothing to make people stop driving 65? Okay? So in other words, you put that sign up there, and we know for a fact that everybody drives 55 when they see that sign, right? Right? I, I see a lot of people here going, oh yeah, absolutely. Okay? Or you know the fact that the fact that the government says you can't cheat on your taxes means everybody puts exactly every dollar they got by cash into their taxes. Because the law says you're supposed to do it. That every building is being built. There hasn't been a contractor who has cut some corners and not gone according to code. Okay, the law is there and it tells us what is wrong and it, and it condemns us, 
But it doesn't stop us from doing it. It doesn't stop us. And the law of the Old Testament said, do not lie, do not steal, do not covet your neighbor's wife. It said all those things. But it did not have the power to help us stop doing it. All it could do was tell us what was wrong and then tell us that we need forgiveness. But what happened is Christ came, took on flesh, and lived a perfect life according to the law. The first thing we need to understand, from the moment Jesus was born, He took on a perfect life, and He lived every single thing that the law required. He took it on and He fulfilled it. God sent forth His Son, and He sent forth Jesus to us, and Jesus fulfilled the law. He exposed Himself to every sin yet did not sin. It says very clearly, if Christ had, not, had taken on our nature, he could not, if He had not taken on our nature, He could not be one of us. On the other hand, He had become completely like us, He could not have become our Savior. In other words, He took on our sin. He took on our, our desires. He lived on earth, and every desire that we have to cheat, to lie, to gossip, to, to follow our flesh, Jesus Christ experienced every one of those temptations and he overcame them. And when he did that, he destroyed the power of the law. At Christmas, God signed the death warrant of sin. You need to understand this, that sin has been destroyed by the power of God sending his son. That's what, the, that's what Christmas is about. It's a great story that it's about a baby. Yes, it's a great story. But God has said by sending His Son in, I am going to destroy the power of sin and you are going to have hope in this life to overcome sin in your life. Because I will tell you this, as much as sin may seem like a desirable thing, it will destroy you. And we need to understand that. The law is very clear about that. The wages of sin is death. It will destroy you in this life. It will destroy you forever. We need to understand that the only hope that we have is to drive the power of sin out of our life. And Jesus Christ, by sending His Son by having the angels appear in heaven, was declaring war on sin and saying, death, sin, you are done. What a wonderful thing that we can celebrate today. What's the great gift that we have? That sin has been, that the power of sin has been destroyed. God condemned sin. And it was in the person of His Son that the Father brought an end to the power of sin. He said that this is no longer going to have power. We cannot follow the law perfectly because we are weak. But He became perfect, the perfect sacrifice for us. He became sin and took our penalty. When Jesus took on every sin that you've ever committed and He lived an entire life sinless, and then what did He do on the cross? He took every sin of ours and took the sacrifice for it. And we need to understand that it's not up for us to take that sin unto ourselves. He took the condemnation away from them from us. Second Corinthians 5.21 puts it this way. For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Do you realize that? Everybody here understands the fact when we sin, we understand the fact that we deserve punishment. But every time you have sinned, guess what? Jesus Christ takes the punishment for us. He took the punishment on the cross for us. And we do not have to accept the punishment for that. He took it for us. It's important to understand that we don't let sin overwhelm us. There was a study done, it was called, in the book, Closing the Window. Tim Chester shares the following quotes from men who have struggled with guilt 
and condemnation that comes from viewing pornography. And here's the quotes from the men. It says, It made me want to hide from God. It made me doubt my salvation. Then the depression came, and with the depression comes temptation to sin again. See how the trend kind of comes like that? I feel crap about myself. Okay, I'm just quoting that. Some people say, you can't say that in church. I just, that's a quote. I don't feel worthy to serve God, and I don't believe I can break that habit. I feel dirty and unable to approach God after looking at porn. So often I feel unable to come to Him in repentance, even though I know my sin is already dealt with. Another quote, I couldn't talk with God about my problems. My picture of Him was that He would, ex- that he would accept me if and when I had scrubbed up enough. Without condoning the viewing of porn, Chester offers the following words of hope to people who are struggling with pornography. And you can put any sin in here. Jesus lived God's welcome to sinners. He embodied God's mercy. He was known as the friend of sinners. The religious people didn't like it because it turned their proud systems of self-righteousness upside down. But Jesus sat down to eat with prostitutes, adulterers, and porn addicts. On the cross... God God treated Christ as a porn user. God made Jesus, who never looked with lust, to be a porn addict for us, so that in Him we might become sexually pure. Whatever sin you are dealing with today, understand the fact that Jesus Christ took the power of that away. Took that force away. And He took on your sin so you don't have to live that way. And there was another study that was done. They had college students put their hand in a, in a bucket of ice water. And then they would tell them the situation. They would, say, they would tell, ask them to think of something that made them feel bad and they felt like they were guilty for. And then they would tell another group of students something that made them happy. And they said, now put your hand in the, in the ice water and hold it in there as long as you think you should hold it. The people that felt guilty kept their hand in the ice water longer because they knew they felt guilt and they thought that that pain causing on themselves would make the guilt go away. The people that felt good said, hey, I'm getting my hand out of the ice water. That's just dumb. And Christ is why we need to understand that there's no condemnation because holding your hand in the ice bucket, feeling depression, feeling like these guys, the quotes about the porn addiction is going to drive you further and further away from God. I've talked to so many pastors when they talk to men in their church, they'll come up to them and they'll say, why haven't you been in church? And they said, well, I looked at a pornographic website. Or I looked at a woman wrong. Or I struggle with alcohol. Or, you know, every sin, it doesn't matter. And they said, what's our first reaction? We'll stay home and go wait. Don't come to church. We feel condemned. We don't want to be around people because everybody else in church is, is going to look at me and say, there's that sinner. Guess what? Welcome to the club. Okay? Welcome to the group of people that are saved by God's grace. There's not one person here that, is, that isn't, because it isn't because of Jesus Christ that we have anything. So we need to understand this simple fact. Jesus came for us. Lastly, through Christ we can walk according to the Spirit and not our desires. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The purpose of why God condemned sin in the flesh He came down in the flesh to condemn it. The requirement of the law was fulfilled by Christ. It has all been done by Christ. The law can only be fulfilled by perfect obedience, and God does this. Christ became what we are 
so we can become what Christ is. Do you understand that? Christ overcame temptation. And the reason that he did that is because he was in the flesh and he understands everything. I have never, as a youth pastor especially, I would talk to youth and one of the hardest verses that they never understood was that whole verse about Christ was tempted in every way. Because I still think we believe in the baby Jesus or the floating Jesus or the Jesus that always had a halo around his head and kind of walked like this and nothing ever touched him. You know, like he walked around, there was temptation to take something. He's like, I don't feel that temptation. You know, kind of like a Jedi, you know. Just, no, yeah, I don't feel that way. He just kind of does that around. Okay, we, we think of Jesus kind of that way, like a superhero. Jesus became flesh. Okay, I still think of this. For everybody that's ever been a carpenter, he hit his finger with the hammer probably once. And the temptation was to let some words out. Okay? Beautiful women probably threw themselves at Jesus. Okay? They, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they did. Here's this popular leader walking around doing all this. There was all, uh, Satan himself tempted him. But he broke the power of sin. He broke its back for you. He did it for you. Because of this, we, we can walk according to the Spirit. And He gave you the Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And it can do amazing things in your body. It can help you overcome things that you never thought was possible. Because Jesus was born, because of Christmas Day, we have hope over sin. It is working in us. It says, "...who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit." We have this thing that is going on in our life. We have the flesh and the spirit. The flesh wants to do one thing. When people say, this is what my flesh wants to do, I, I was born this way, or whatever. Your flesh wants to do a lot of bad things. Okay? And I will use this as an example. When you're, when you're potty training a child, does a child want to be potty trained? No. They're just fine with you changing their diaper. Okay? But you help them, and I think that we're all as mature adults here, pretty happy that somebody didn't let us do according to the flesh. I mean, we're all happy that somebody told us not to do that. Also, when you're a kid, fire. What do you want to do with fire? Play with it. Touch it. Put hands on it. Good times. How about knives? Those are fun too. All right. You're eight. Dad's driving. I want to drive too. These are our fleshly desires. And we all laugh and say, well, well those are stupid. Why would anybody? That's the same thing. Our flesh wants to do things that are wrong for us. And the Holy Spirit and God in heaven says, let my spirit give you the better understanding of how to live. Let my Holy Spirit help you overcome these things so you're not going to live according to this. So today, what I want you to know, I want you to stand with me right now. If you hear... I'm going to put it to you this way. When I was a kid, we used to have a lot of altar calls. And kind of the understanding was that if you got enough people to come forward for an altar call, it meant that you preached a good sermon. And I'd hear pastors, they'd go up there and they'd say, uh, if you're here and you never accepted Jesus, and we always have that, then you need to come forward and receive Jesus. 
and then they'd go down the list. And then they would have this request that would come up. If you died tonight and you went to see Jesus, would you have no sin in your life? And if you can't say that, you need to come and get right because you might go home tonight, die in a car crash, and you don't know where you're going to go. And I understood the point was that we need to break the power of sin in our life. I understood that. But what I want you to know today is not that you're condemned. I want you to understand, yes, we should feel the guilt of sin, but we should turn that over to Jesus Christ. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to say there is no condemnation. I'm here to tell you if you are struggling with sin, there is hope. You are not a slave to the flesh of your body. You are not a slave to the desires that you have. You may feel that way, and the enemy is trying to lie to you and say that, like that actor, that say that you are in prison still. Guess what? The gates have been opened. You are no longer in prison. That sin has no power over you. Stop living in the world when you've been set free by the Spirit. That's the hope that we have today. This is not a salvation issue. This is, a, this is an understanding of the fact that once we are in Christ Jesus, we have the power to overcome. So let's start saying, God, I want to start the new year. And this sin, I'm going to trust in your power to overcome it. Everybody here is struggling with something. Everybody here has a temptation. Like I've said many times, the Bible uses the concept of a fishing lure. The enemy knows exactly what fishing lure to put in front of you. He knows exactly what's going to get you. Whether it's that juicy piece of gossip. Okay? Whether it's a sexual temptation. Whether it's a drug temptation. Whether, he knows exactly where to put it. But you know what? The Holy Spirit knows exactly what to do with that temptation. The Holy Spirit is there to say, let me handle it in your life. So, as our prayer ministers come forward, if you're here today, and if you have never accepted Jesus Christ, you have never made him the master of your life, you've never asked for forgiveness, the Bible is very clear, and this is not me condemning, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, and it says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we are responsible to God for our sin. And if we don't, have, we don't accept the gift of Jesus Christ that we celebrate this Christmas, we are responsible, we stand before God, we are responsible for every sin that we have ever committed. We take them all on ourselves and say, I'll take the responsibility. And the wages of sin is death. Eternal death away from Christ. And the Bible says that he doesn't want anybody... Jesus does not want anybody to live outside of him. The reason Jesus came, the reason that he became in the, the stable, the reason that he, he, he lived and did all this was so that no one has to be condemned away from Christ. So if you're here today, you need to make that commitment to him. You need to say, God, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I don't want to be condemned by my sins anymore. I want to have no condemnation. And I want to have the Spirit of God rise up in me. And help me to overcome these sins. To give me the power to overcome the sin that is in my life. But for everybody else here that has accepted Jesus Christ, it's time to start living who we are. It's time to understand the fact that we are not helpless to sin. It is time for us to say, we don't have to live like the world does because we have the power of Jesus Christ. We have His Spirit in us. The Son was sent to this earth so that we can be freed from sin and he has condemned sin on Christmas Day. 
And it's time for us to start accepting that. Not that we'd have to start grinning our teeth and bearing it. The fact that Christ can do great and mighty things in us. And we need to start letting Him do this. When we are tempted, say, God, Your Spirit, Your Bible says that I am not under condemnation. You've destroyed the power of sin. Give me the strength today to overcome this sin. Don't look to anything else. Look to Him to overcome it. Lord, we thank You today. We thank You, God, because of Christmas. There is no condemnation. Because of Christmas, God, we have power over sin. You have destroyed sin. And because of Christmas, God, we have the Spirit in us to walk according to you and not according to the flesh. We thank you, Jesus, for all of these things, the greatest gift that we ever could receive. Lord, let us now accept this in our heart. Let, us, let it just fill our spirit, God, that we walk out of this place changed by your Spirit. And God... Let us have great victories, not because of us, God. We give credit to you. The reason that all of us can have overcome sin is only because of you, God. We thank you for it in the name of Jesus. Amen. The altars are available for you to pray at. We have our prayer ministers available. And otherwise, have a Merry Christmas today.